On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about why this Christmas was a challenge. I discuss how I plan to actively live below my means in 2020, and I give you free, super easy, low-hanging fruit habits that you can implement right now to change your life almost immediately. Okay, here we go, episode number four of Life and Lessons, which I think means that we're now one whole month into this, give or take, um, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like it was an entire month ago that I sat down to record the first episode of this, but it was, um, which is just, yeah, mad coming to realise that. That also means that we're, what, 8% of the way through this process on my my mission to record 52 weekly podcasts between the ages of 24 and 25. Um, So I'm 8% of the way closer to being 25 than I was last time we spoke, or sorry, when we first spoke, Um, which is mad. It's just, it's crazy how quick time's going, both in the short term, the number of weeks that have passed, but also, fuck me, how quickly did 2019 go? That was the fastest feeling year I've ever experienced. It just, I don't know about you, but for me, it flew by. Um, yeah, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a weird year, but it's been a good one. Um, anyway, I will get straight into it. What's been happening in the last week? Well, um, truthfully, I'm actually recording this on New Year's Day. Slight disclaimer, I did record this the other day, um, but I just wasn't happy with it. I recorded it after a a weird day and it was like half past midnight I was back at home and just I, I I wasn't feeling it so I recorded the episode and then I thought you know what if if you're gonna sit here and give me your time to listen to this I would rather it be good right and so although I recorded the episode once already I didn't even listen back to it it wasn't that I'd listened back to it and wasn't happy it was more that I just I was tired I wasn't feeling it and I felt like I was maybe I don't know, just just not as focused as I could have been on speaking to you, and therefore uh, it just would have been shit. So here we go, <laughs> here we are, this is take number two. Um, what's been happening this week? Well, obviously the first, the most obvious thing is that this week was Christmas, and so that meant that I spent a lot of time at home with my family, uh, exactly the same as, as what we spoke about last week. So being at home with the family, chilling, working on some things, Christmas, all of that good stuff. Uh, I also did a, a very spontaneous night out this week. So I went for dinner. I say dinner. I went to Weatherspoons for food uh, with my friend Chloe. And then a couple of friends, Danny and Sanisha, came along. And that turned into going out in Corby, um, which is cool because I always love being back home in Corby around... Uh, either both the summertime and also Christmas because you can do a night out and just bump into absolutely everybody. People are back from university, they're back from work, they're back from all of the weird places that people now live all across the world uh, and it's everybody back in the same place in in one building you're just randomly bumping into people like, like back when we were all 18. So that was nice. I always enjoy that. Um, and then this week has also been quite reflective, quite introspective. Uh, I've taken advantage of not having client emails and phone calls and the urgency of the day-to-day life of running a business to work on some other areas of my life. 
to firm up things like morning and evening routines and habits, which I seem to always talk about on this podcast, and um, to really dig deep and consider what my plans are for 2020 and also where I want to be this time next year, right? I mean, we've spoken at length, particularly in episode number one, about how um, pivotal a year I feel this one is going to be for me. And so really digging deep and understanding the exact intricacies of what I want to achieve this year uh, has been something that I've been working on this week. Um, I'm sure it's the same with you. I feel like it's the same with everybody. Uh, But things like focusing on what you want to do on a bigger scale um, and really just working on yourself, they're these important but non-urgent tasks. And therefore, like I said, during the day-to-day life of January through to the middle of December, it feels like there's never time to do those things because, um, yeah, life happens, shit that is urgent gets in the way and you just never get a chance to work on these things. So I, like I'm sure most other people listening to this, took the last week of December to really uh, take stock of my life, have a bit of a think about everything that's happened over the last year, both personally and professionally, and really just probe into where I'm at right now and where I want to be this time next year. And so because of that, because of having a lot of time to think, this episode might be a little bit deeper than usual. It certainly was the first time I recorded it because um, I feel like the thoughts in this episode are perhaps a little bit more abstract because the things that have been on my mind this week are slightly different. They're on like a slightly different wavelength, let's say, to the things that are typically rushing through my mind in any other busier, more work-focused week. And so on that note, of being slightly deeper than usual, I'm going to start somewhere quite uncomfortable. I said at the very start of this podcasting journey that I was going to be honest with you. This was going to be an honest reflection of everything that happens in my life over the next year. And for it to be honest, that needs to be both the good and the bad. Now, don't worry, because I think that by the end of this point, we should be on a slightly more positive note. But this point has to start in an honest place. And that's not a great place. If you listen to episode number one, you'll remember that I spoke about my dad. Back in 2017, he was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of just 57. And before that diagnosis, he had been probably showing visible, tangible signs of the disease for at least another two to three years, right? So at this stage, at this point, we're quite a few years into this. He's quite a few years into the illness. And so during the Christmas period, if I'm completely honest with you, things were hard. Watching somebody you love going through something so horrible is hard enough at the best of times, but during a time of year such as Christmas when everything is so family focused, it just amplifies and magnifies things. It makes what is already a difficult situation that bit more difficult. And it makes you just wish that things were back to normal. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong, I think it's important for me to say at this point that Christmas was good. You know, the whole family spent time together, we had a nice time, it was good. And we definitely did have a lot to be thankful for. Things that other people this Christmas definitely didn't have. We had each other, we had our family, we had a house, we had food, we had presents, we had all of those things that 99% of people I assume, take 
for absolute granted all year round. We had all of those things. So I'm not about to suggest that this is the worst Christmas ever or that we had it terribly bad. Um, but it was difficult. And, and it was difficult because of the point that I want to focus on, which is that this year, the Alzheimer's was impossible to ignore. And that means that Christmas wasn't the happy time of year that you might expect or that you might associate with Christmas. We didn't have all of those those happy feelings, right? But we managed and we had a good time. Now, follow me here because I think you're going to see where I'm going with this fairly soon. Like I said, this year, the Alzheimer's felt impossible to ignore. This year was definitely worse than last year. And if you were to have taken us back to last Christmas, knowing what we know now, we would have been thankful for the situation back then. But last Christmas at the time, it felt like the Alzheimer's was then impossible to ignore. And then it felt like we were in a very bad and difficult to deal with situation. And we would have done anything in 2018 to go back to the Christmas of 2017. But at the time, Christmas 2017 seemed like it was terrible. And shit, although Christmas 2016, my dad was showing some signs of Alzheimer's, if we could go back there again, I'm sure I'd feel, and <laughs> this, is a, this is a hard, a weird to say sentence, but I'm sure if we could go back to Christmas 2016, which felt bad at the time, compared to right now, it would feel like we had back the dad that we once knew. But we can't do that, and so here we are. This is our new reality. And look, to be clear, that this is also the reality of literally millions of people, hundreds of thousands of families across the UK for various different reasons, including things like Alzheimer's. So I hope that the points that I'm about to make can extend beyond my particular circumstances, but I need to use my circumstances to make these points as they're all I know, right? I, I can't put myself in anyone else's shoes. And so there are, there are two points that I want to make here. The first is that back in, say, I don't know, 2013, before there were any real glaringly obvious signs of what would later turn out to be dementia, Christmas probably felt very mundane, to me at least. Uh, and by the way, the, the example of Christmas here is entirely interchangeable. We could be talking about a birthday or a Christmas or any other random kind of significant day, right? But let's use the example of Christmas 2013. Not that I remember it in any real level of detail, but I'm sure that Christmas 2013 was quite uneventful in my eyes back then. If I'm being honest, I was probably hungover, or at least thinking about doing a night out that night or the next night. I probably stumbled out of bed quite late. I probably half-assed the presents I gave to my family. And overall, I probably just brushed the whole thing off. Because it was only Christmas, right? there would be plenty more of them. They come around every year. And that's true, they do come around every year, but what I've learned over the last few years is that they're not all the same. The quality of time you, literally you listening right now, have with your family is not guaranteed. What you have right now isn't promised tomorrow, so it's, it's certainly not promised this time next year. And I don't want that to sound like some mad borderline preachy throwaway comment i mean that straight up statistically at least one person listening to this right now is going to be in a very different position next year one year from now somebody listening to this is highly likely to be in a different position 
Um, it could, you know, something's going to happen. It could be health-related or the health of a family member or a friend or something else entirely unexpected. But there's every possibility that something can happen in the next year that you currently don't foresee that will change your life forever. Something that will make it impossible to go back to the times that you once, maybe even this Christmas, took for granted. Times that with the benefit of hindsight, you would do anything to go back to. And times that you'll wish you had made the most of in the moment. And so I guess the first point I want to make is do exactly that. Make the most of the moments you have with your family and with your friends, because I promise none of this can be taken for granted. None of this is guaranteed. Don't wait until it's too late for you to realize what you had. And then look, the, the second point that I want to make on the back of this whole um, this whole Christmas thing is I hope something slightly more positive. The fact that 2019 felt worse than 2018 and that 2018 felt worse than 17 and 17 worse than 16 and so on, I think can actually be flipped. Because yes, 2019 felt worse than 2018 during a time like Christmas, but that's because it's a highly reflective time of year. But you can actually look at this another way. Uh, yeah, Christmas 2019 was more of a challenge than Christmas Day 2016, but the day-to-day -day of coping with a loved one living with dementia, or I'm sure something similar, and the caring responsibilities that come along with that, they don't feel as unmanageable as you might expect. There is that clear contrast, like I said, between 2016 and 2019, but day-to-day, one day after the other, the differences are almost impossible to notice. And because of that, we've adapted. And that is something that this whole situation has taught me. That humans are really fucking good at adapting. We're good at finding contentment and normality in situations which once seemed alien. At finding strength in situations which once seemed terrifying. Uh, there's a concept called hedonic adaptation that I want to talk about for a minute here. Hedonic, ab uh, hedonic it's a mouthful, isn't it? Hedonic adaptation is a term given to our ability to return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major recent positive or negative events in our lives. And we all experience hedonic adaptation in both directions. Uh, so just like buying a car won't actually make you any happier in the long run, a lot of research suggests that major life-altering negative events such as the death of a spouse or a messy divorce won't actually make you any less happy in the long run. In the short term, your subjective level of happiness can go up or down depending on what's happening in your life in that immediate moment. But in the long run, your subjective level of happiness will return to its usual place. And so I'm talking to not only you listening, but also kind of talking to myself when I make this point, which is that uh, following both personal experiences, but also just straight up the science on this one, whatever situation you're in right now might feel terrible. It might feel worrying. It might feel upsetting. And that's because right now it probably is. Uh, but we all have this remarkable elasticity with our happiness this ability to return to normality from things which 
in a period of life would, would once have felt all-consuming and terrible and horrible and impossible to deal with. We have this ability to deal with those things and for our happiness to return back to its usual level, for you to feel yourself once again despite the circumstances going on in your life. This, this ability to adapt. And so look, this Christmas was a challenge, but thanks to hedonic adaptation, it didn't feel anywhere near as bad as I once feared that this stage of Alzheimer's would. Uh, and because of that, we've, we've had a good time, we've made some memories, and I know that this time around, I'm gonna value the Christmas that we've just had long into the future. And so that's it. Look, I hope you could make sense of those two points because um, they were quite all over the place. But like I said at the top of this podcast, you know, I have to be truthful with everything that's going on in my life if I'm going to go on a journey such as this. And that means that sometimes it will be positive, happy, cool, interesting stories and the kind of stories that I can package into a nice little segment and give you a moral when it all makes sense. And other times it's going to be a little bit more all over the place. So I hope that you could make sense of both of those points. Um, and yeah, that's it basically. Okay, so my next point is actually also to do with adapting, but it's on a completely different wave. There's a concept over the last week or so that I've been toying with uh, just in my mind and I've given a name to it that work with me here because this name is very much work in progress but I kind of noted this down on my phone very briefly when I was thinking about it it's something that I'm going to call adapting backwards it's similar to the idea of living below your means which I'm sure you've heard of but it's in my opinion about more than just money let me explain what I think this thing is and what adapting backwards is all about here's the thing right uh, for all of the good things that social media has given us, it's also put everybody in their own little spotlight. It's made us all feel like we're on display, which has no doubt led people to live their lives in a very different way to how they otherwise would. It's led a lot of people to live above their means, to do shit like buy £250 t-shirts and £400 trainers and to finance the most expensive cars that they can possibly afford and to go on the craziest holidays and to visit the most Instagram-worthy bars and restaurants they can find. Now, let me just be clear at this point. I'm not suggesting that this is a majority of people, but look, we all know people like this and this isn't calling anybody out, but you'll see where I'm going with this thought process and this is very much introspective. This is very much me talking about my behaviours and how I want to change. So this isn't to uh, tar anybody with a brush, this is purely talking about myself, right? There are a lot of people out there who are creating an illusion to others, and perhaps even to themselves, that they're making progress in life at a rate far quicker than their peers. But they're doing that by overstretching and overcommitting, and in some cases, overfinancing their lifestyles to look good. People are always trying to be seen, to be adapting, to be getting better possessions and to be going to better places and to be doing better things, even if in reality it's not always the case. And so I have this theory, right? I spoke a couple of episodes ago about the dark times, uh, both literally and figuratively, that I have been through in the last few years. Times when my family and I literally had enough food in the entire house for one meal, right? There wasn't any more food left. Uh, you know, around those times as well, I've, I've had to go and work from the library 
in the town centre in Corby because, you know, a few years back I literally couldn't afford to pay the internet bill. There was no income coming into the house. I, I just couldn't afford to pay the internet. It got cut off. So I had to trudge in the winter into town on foot with my laptop and do work in a library because I literally couldn't afford the internet. And even further back than that, I've spoken about times, uh, in, particularly in the first episode of this podcast, for example, when I go to school and not have lunch because I didn't want to tell my parents that the price of lunch had increased year on year and then further overstretch them financially. The point I'm making here is I think that I've experienced my fair share of situations in life that you would think would make you unhappy. But here's the thing, right? I am no more or less happy today than I was back in any of those situations I've just spoken about. Uh, So putting things like stress to one side, because yes, times like that were more stressful. What I'm talking about here is my net subjective happiness and contentment overall, right? Having more expensive foods in the fridge and freezer and cupboards doesn't make me any happier. Like, I don't feel any happier because I can now eat what are they, like 85p a can baked beans rather than 35p a can baked beans. I don't feel two and a half times happier because my yearly cost of beans outgoings is two and a half times higher. And look, we both know that that's a stupid example. And yet we both see time and again, people trying to apply the same rule to other areas of their life as if it will have the same effect. So look, paying twice the amount per month for a nicer car probably won't make you feel twice as happy and you probably won't be driving about in twice as much comfort, and you certainly won't be getting anywhere twice as fast, and people aren't gonna think twice as much of you because of it. Now, let me just say at this point, there is zero, absolutely nothing at all whatsoever wrong with spending your money on the things that you want to buy. I wanna be completely clear on that before somebody takes these examples too literally and gives me shit in my DMs, right? My point here is this, I think that we all, myself included, and perhaps more so than others, spend progressively more and more money as our lives go on, on things to continually one-up ourselves. We're always adapting forwards into the more expensive, the more comfortable, the nicer, the better, the more sought after. It's always about the things. But I've learned firsthand that those more expensive, more comfortable, nicer, better, sought after things don't always deliver the, the upside, the benefit, the happiness that you think or you tell yourself they're going to bring you in the moments before you buy them. Sometimes they're just expensive, overpriced objects. I'm no happier because of my watch or my bloody Yeezys or my expensive iPhone or my AirPods. I can sit here and post-rationalise the purchase of each of those things and pretend that they make me happier, pretend they make my life better, But when you boil it down, they don't. And so I want 2020 to be the year where I try and do something about that. I haven't quite fully formed this thought yet, so I'm probably going to speak about it more in future episodes. Uh, But I want 2020 to be the year where I adapt backwards. Where I pick specific areas of life and then I purposely live below my means in those areas. So that would be stopping myself from doing or buying or experiencing things merely just because I can. Challenging myself on purchase decisions to try and uncover if I'm buying something or doing something because I truly want it, because I truly think it will make me feel happy, 
or if it's just because I think other people will be impressed. And so what if for the next year, you too took, took pride in adapting backwards? What if you really honestly committed to the idea of not giving a, a shit about what other people think of you, of paying zero attention to the things, the possessions that other people around you are buying, not spending even a second considering whether something will look good on Instagram or would be impressive to subtly show, just, just cutting all of that out and just living at a level that makes you comfortable. Because ask yourself this, right? Are you any happier now? Like true happiness. So we're not talking about is your life more comfortable and all these things. Are you any happier now than you were five years ago? And does your lifestyle cost more now than it did five years ago? If you answered yes to both of those questions, it's possible to argue that you're actually paying more for no additional happiness right now. And so if you answered yes to both of those questions, maybe you will find a weird enjoyment in trying to adapt backwards in 2020. Because I think I will. I'll get back to you on this one. And then the last thing I want to talk about on this episode is the massive New Year's resolution shaped elephant in the room, right? Um, like I said earlier, I'm recording this on New Year's Day, which means that although this episode isn't technically me talking about the week, which includes New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, that'll be next week's. Um, it's still something that I've been toying with massively over the last few days, as I'm sure everybody else has. Uh, you're, you're, you're no doubt thinking about all of the life-improving, life-changing things that you can do in 2020 to make this year your year, to make it more productive and more comfortable and more meaningful and more enjoyable. And look, everybody is going to have their own goals and their own ambitions. You know, I have mine, you have yours. Um, but I, I want to talk about three things that I think everybody can do if you're not already that will help you hit those goals. Um, but before I do that, I just want to say thank you to everybody who uh, DM'd me about your New Year's resolutions, like I asked in last week's episode. Uh, so many of you got in touch, uh, and you know some of your resolutions, some of the things that you want to focus on this year included uh, leaning into learning more from a mentor at work, growing your personal brand, uh, losing weight, gaining weight, somebody wants to read a book every two weeks, uh, there was a couple of people who want to quit drinking for the whole of 2020, which, by the way, I will have an episode for you next week where I talk about that. Uh, and Lewis Canner said drinking more beer. Big up, Lewis. Um, look, there were loads more. But the, like I said, the things I'm going to talk about right now are way more important than any of those individual goals because they're three things that I believe lay good foundations for you to be able to go ahead in life and achieve way more because they give you that that solid start. They're low-hanging fruit, which we often don't notice because they're so easy not to do. But when you do them, when you get them right, when you follow them, they're the things that make the biggest tangible difference in your life. And so I'm going to cover three of them very quickly. And they are sleep, drinking enough water, and turning off pointless notifications. Uh, I'm not even going to go into the theory or the research or the science or anything like that in these three. I'm just going to talk about my personal experience with these three things over the last couple of years, how quick and easy they are to implement, and the the literal life-changing effects that each of, the three, each of these three things have had on my life. So I'll start with sleep, right? 
If you haven't already, there's a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker that you need to read. The book is basically a love letter to sleep and it goes into the science behind sleep, why we need it so badly, how it helps our health and focus and productivity and the very real dangers of not getting enough sleep over long periods of time. But let's ignore all of that for a moment and just focus on this. Getting eight hours of sleep per night is really fucking achievable. It's easy if you're committed to it. But it's also massively important and it's the single biggest factor impacting most people's mood and focus and productivity and ability each and every day. Put another way, if you've set yourself any kind of goal for this year, any kind of goal for 2020, you want to give yourself the best chance possible of hitting those goals, right? Or else why would you set them in the first place? Now to give yourself the best chance possible, the place to start is with getting enough sleep. And so what I'm talking about here is eight hours of something called sleep opportunity. That's eight hours of being in bed, ready to sleep, not on your phone, not watching TV, not doing whatever else you do in bed, just trying to sleep. And that gives you a massive 16 hours to get everything else you need to get done during the day. That's two full working days worth of time to get shit done. Or one full working day if you work a job, and then another eight hours to cram in everything else you want to do. However you split your time, I recommend making those eight hours of sleep an absolute non-negotiable. Just just make the commitment to yourself that you're going to plan your day in such a way that allows for eight hours of sleep and then just stick to it. I promise that you will feel so much better for it immediately. I um, You'll remember last week, I think it was last week, I spoke in this episode about how I am for the next 12 months, spending one month at a time, digging deep into one area, learning a lot about it, and trying to take away the tangible life-improving benefits of those things. The first month, this month, January, is going to be about sleep, so I'm sure we're going to talk more about sleep in the coming weeks, but in the meantime, a massive life-changing, low-hanging fruit that I've taken advantage of, and if you're not already, you should do, is just making sure you can get enough sleep. And according to the science, that should be eight hours of time in bed where you're giving yourself a chance to get the sleep that you perhaps so desperately need. The second low-hanging fruit is water. Now, depending on who you ask, the answer of how much water you should drink is different, right? The US is home to this school of thought that arrives at something like, I think, 1.9 litres per day. Whereas the NHS and the US government, sorry, the UK government promote an amount of, I think, 1.2 litres. But whatever the correct guidelines are, if you're not drinking enough water, let's say at least 1.2 litres or six to eight glasses, as the NHS calls it, changing that will have such a massive impact on your life and the way you feel this year. How I managed to survive, I don't know, but I used to literally actively drink no water, none like none at all for years. I would drink coffee and I'd drink tea and Red Bull and all sorts of other shit, but I would never ever just drink water. And in what seemed at the time like unrelated things, I'd also have headaches and feel terrible and have no energy and lack focus. But drinking enough water, for the most part, fixed all of that. Now look, you probably do drink enough water, I'm sure, so I'll skip over this point fairly quickly, but if, like I once did, you don't feel like you drink enough water, 
I promise you that taking the, the tiny steps you need to make sure that you're drinking those 1.2 liters each day will have you feeling like an entirely new person in literally a couple of weeks. It's, it's crazy to me that I spent so much of my life feeling shit and a couple of bloody tap wars fixed it. It's just crazy. So try it out if you haven't already. Let me know how it goes. And then finally, the third low-hanging fruit that I suggest you implement this year, if you're not already doing it, is removing pointless notifications. Now, usual disclaimer, only do this if it is safe to do so. So please, again, don't try and do this if you're driving. But if you're listening on your phone, open up settings and then go into notifications. It's called notifications on iOS. Fuck knows what it's called on Android probably notifications, but I don't know. Um, so when you're in there, go through and manually edit the push notifications you receive from each app. Because I promise you, there are so many pointless notifications in there once you start to notice it. And they steal our attention and have us picking up our phones all day, every day for shit that we really don't care about. And so my suggestion is manually editing your push notifications for each app so that you're only distracted by your phone when it's something that you actively care about. So I'll give you some examples of the notifications that I have completely turned off on my phone. Things like retweets and likes on Twitter. Don't care about them, they're turned off. Things like likes and comments on Instagram. Again, completely pointless notification that lights up your screen and tells you shit that you really don't need to know or care about, but distract you, turned off. And then I also have literally anything from Facebook turned off, all of it, because 95% of Facebook notifications are completely fucking pointless, so I've turned all of that off. And then any app tries to push things like sales notifications, so the examples that I can think of are uh, Adidas and Lifesum, because they try and push me shit to sell me stuff, completely turned off. Again, I don't, I don't need to be distracted in the middle of trying to work to know that Adidas has got 50% off some whack trainers that haven't sold. Um, now look, of course, things like WhatsApp and email and iMessage, I still have the notifications for all of that turned on, but not all notifications are worthy of the same level of attention. The factory default settings on your phone would, would have you believe that they are, but believe me, they're not. So take back some control of what distracts you this year by turning off all of those pointless notifications. And so look, they're the free, super quick, super easy wins that I recommend you take seriously if you don't already to help you win back time and focus to spend this year on actually achieving your goals. They're more sleep, more water and fewer pointless notifications. And so that is it for another week. I'm glad that this time around I feel like I'm in the zone. So I've actually recorded this episode second time and I'm happy with it. Like I said at the beginning, these episodes are flying by. I can't believe we're already on number four. And later this week, I'm going to be recording number five, but I'm having a really good time recording them. Um, as always, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for the messages and the shares and, and everything that you've done. It's just, I, I'm having the best time. It's amazing. Um, so look, just before we go, this is typically the point in the podcast where I would ask you to do all of those things like follow on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and all of those things. But look, this week, I don't want to do that. Instead, I have one massive favour to ask of you. If you're listening and you've enjoyed this episode, 
or any of the episodes in this series so far, the favor I have to ask is this. Can you please share this episode in one place and if possible, tag me in it as you do it? So it could be on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook. It could be in a private group chat or in a message to your friend or in an email with a colleague. I'd really love for one new person to pick up and listen to this podcast this week. And I'm sure that your share will make all of the difference. And if you do decide to share it on something like Instagram or Twitter, where you can tag me in all those usual places, I am Spooner Sean on there. My username is S-P-O-O-N-E-R-S-E-A-N. So I'll keep an eye out for when you share it. Um, If you do share this episode, thank you very much. Like I said, thank you very much for listening, irrespective. It's good to have you back here again. Right, it's 2020. We've got shit to do, so let's get on with it. I hope you have a really good, a really productive first week of the year. And I'll see you back here next Friday for another episode of Life in Lessons. See you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.